The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland. Far and wide, and sometimes here at home, these bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here for your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to sit down here today uh, with Will Sheehy. Will, greetings. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, man, we're we're in good shape for the shape we're in. You know, <laughs> there's a countryism for you from the deep woods of East Texas. No, Will, thanks, uh, thanks for being here. I know you guys are off the field, and we're going to dig in some to your background. Talk about where you guys are serving in missions, also about your family dynamics. Some. This podcast, as I mentioned before, is kind of dedicated to missions and encouraging missionaries or those who think they might want to be missionaries. So I appreciate you joining us to help demystify the situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's nothing uh, very mystical about it. I'll go ahead and tell you up front. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, man, I'm all ears. I'm looking forward to uh, knowing more about you guys. And of course, I've followed your your journey from a little bit of distance. Mm -hmm. And I believe right before you guys went to sort of a permanent long-term station uh -huh. that you were, we were together at a home meeting or something yeah. of the kind. Long time ago. I have a vague memory of that 10 years ago. Something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago. Right. So yeah. Well, I'm younger than I was back then and much better looking. So <laughs> I hope that won't throw you off. No, I'm not. But hey, here we are still alive serving Jesus. So I'm thankful for that. Will, tell me a little bit about your family. I'd love to know where you guys are from originally. And and then let's get into where you guys are serving and, and kind of what you're up to. Sure thing. I'm actually from Pensacola, Florida. And my wife is from Rutherfordton, North Carolina, which is right between Charlotte and Asheville, kind of up in the mountains. Oh, yeah. And, I know that one. Yep. Yeah. So then we both went to college in Asheville, North Carolina. That's where we met each other. That's where we met the Lord. And we were nice. actually dating for a year and a half. And then we went on a mission trip as unbelievers. Long story how that worked out. And we actually got saved on a mission trip together. Um, and so it's kind of role reversal <laughs> because in Guatemala, you know, the mission field, they were the missionaries. And we, the missionaries, were the mission field. 
and the Guatemalans led us to the Lord. Um, so, <laughs> hey, wow, man. Wow. Which is, which hey. Great. Because was, we had missions in our yeah. DNA from the very beginning. We just knew, you know, nice. Christianity is missions from the moment we met the Lord. And so from then on, it's just been a matter of where and when and how. And that was back in 2002. And so that's, okay. that's what started our journey out. Wow. Well, congratulations for meeting Jesus on a mission trip. I'm guessing they didn't have that in the brochure, but, <laughs> you know, it was it was a great development. I got to say that. Great thank development. Thank, 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 I mean, thank God. And, and thank God for the ministries, the missionaries on the mission field who are willing to take short-term teams, knowing this team probably isn't going to help our ministry that much. But we can minister to the team members, you know, and a lot of that's how a lot of people in America really meet the Lord or or get called to missions. Things like that is on short term mission trips. For sure. Yeah. I don't know how many short term trips I've been on. Mm-hmm. Let's just say for round numbers, 100. Wow. It's close to that. You know, it may go on either side of that somewhere. It's wow. been a bunch. I've taken lots of teams. I've been a lot of times with small teams and some on my own, uh, mm-hmm. just uh, out in the wide world, uh, yeah. trying to find the connection that Jesus is is highlighting and, and be an encouragement and a blessing. So I surmised mm-hmm. that the first 10 times that I went on a short-term trip, mm-hmm. 90% of what of the things that were valuable takeaways was for me, you know, I mean, I I was on the receiving end, even though I might've thought I was on the the giving end, but you know, and that's, that's strange, but yeah, thank God. I think we, we get a feeling that it's going to switch over to being 90% for the other folks. But I I think it's that, you know, we're going to reach a level of collaboration if we continue down the road of investing ourselves, we're going to find collaboration that's mutually beneficial and, and meaningful. And I think that's what missions is all about in a lot of ways. But early on, I was uh, a lot like you. I may have already known the Lord, but I, that might have been all I knew at the time. <laughs> I think it's a good part of the journey as a believer into maturity you know, is to, is to have that context and, and short-term missions is great. And maybe not every missionary is called to that, you know, because that's a ministry in itself, hosting teams. Mm. But it is a, it's yeah. a great ministry. And a lot of missionaries do that. And it's part of their ministry. And that's a lot of the fruit that they bear. And most missionaries I know, they felt their calling to be a long-term missionary when they went on a short-term trip. Almost wow. everyone I know, that's if you ask them, how did you get, how did you know? They're like, oh, well, I went on this mission trip and then I knew, you know, so it's, it's part of the process. It has value. Man. Is that the way it happened for you? Um, yeah, I, I would say that was a confirmation. You know, the way, the way my walk is with the Lord, a lot of times I'll just know something in my heart in the place of prayer and just not all the time, but the important stuff, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I think this is right. And then he confirms it later. And so I kind of knew Mm -hmm. all along that we were called to Africa, called to Uganda. But when we went and put our feet on the ground, that's when I knew that I knew, you know, that's when I really got Mm -hmm. that confirmation that I needed. Wow. 
Yeah. And what year was that? Well, the first time I went was 2004. And then I took my wife in 2006. And that's mm-hmm. when, you know, that's when we both knew. And that was such a strong confirmation for her as well. Mm, wow. So, yeah. so you guys, had, how long had you been married at that point? I guess maybe just a few years. Yeah, less than just a year and a half at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Uganda. Uganda, British East Africa comes to mind. We we work quite a bit in Kenya. I was talking this morning with our coworker in Kenya mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, very we've been far. we've been back and forth there a bunch. They're right next door, and I think the people group is pretty similar. Yeah, in those two countries, is that is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of overlap between Uganda and Kenya. Very open doors at the borders, and very similar cultures. There's just subtle differences. Hmm. Uh, tribal organiz- uh, people organization uh, as well there, I would guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're all um, grouped into tribes. And people's main identity is their tribe, then maybe their nation. But first, it's their tribe. Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of like folks from Texas. <laughs> first, they're Texas. First, they're Texas and then their country. Right. Sorry, <laughs> i got to throw that out there. I, yeah. I'm from Texas. You know, I, I spent about how many years out? Uh, over 12 years outside of Texas. And I met you when I was living in the Carolinas. So, and, you know, of course, love the Carolinas. Nothing nothing much to disagree with about that. It's, it's a great place. Yeah. But uh, we've been back in Texas now uh, more than seven years. So kind of gives a, a feel for when we did meet. I guess it was 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah, you know, that's when... Most of the people that I know in my relationship started fizzling out. You know, you moved to Africa and you got to live under a rock for 10 years. And now I'm just kind of coming out and traveling back around and reconnecting with everybody. But yeah, it's hard to get over there. It really is. I mean, not just the tech, but also the time difference. It's just so hard to figure out a time to talk to people. (laughs) So I'm glad glad we were able to rekindle it. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. Now you guys are in the U.S. right now for a while. I'm guess you've been here a little while. Yeah. I found out about it from common friends of ours. But how long have you been in the states, and how much longer will you be here? So we were planning this trip. We were going to come back in May, and we were going to have our baby in Africa in April, then come back here in May, mm-hmm. and then with COVID. At the end of March, everything started going haywire and all the airports were closing, flights were getting canceled. And we really just felt like we didn't feel the particular calling from God to have the baby in Uganda in the midst of a global pandemic. So we decided, <laughs> let's go back home while the airport's still open. So we buy tickets for a Monday. And then on Saturday, the president of Uganda stands up and says, we're closing all the borders tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last day the borders are open, last day the airport's open. So, you know, thank you, president of Uganda. We got 24-hour notice. Then then the airport's closed. And so Sunday was the last day and our ticket was for Monday. So we had to stay up all night. There was no tickets available. Stayed up all night and packed you know, for, for 10 months 
everything you need and homeschool. We've got five kids at this point, pack everything in suitcases and, and rush to the airport, which is five hours away. And we had a friend working on it before we got to the airport an hour out. He said, Hey, I got you guys on the, on one of the flights. Qatar Airways has upgraded their aircraft. I, they released new tickets. I got you guys on. And we're seven people. So that's a big feat. So then we get yes. here, we check in and they tell my wife, well, since you're 33 weeks pregnant, you need to get a clear to fly letter from our office. So she runs upstairs and I don't see her again for two hours. So I go up there and I find her crying in the office. And she said, they're not going to let us on the flight. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're 33 weeks pregnant. The website says 36 weeks pregnant. It's okay. And they said, well, no, if you're over 32 weeks, you've got to go through all this red tape and get clearance from our medical office in Doha, Qatar, in order to get a clear to fly letter. And we're like, we don't have that kind of time. This is the last Qatar Airways flight leaving Uganda. You know, <laughs> you've got to let us on. They said, nope. And they didn't let us on. And so we missed that flight. And so we were a little shell-shocked. There's one more flight leaving Uganda that day. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So we try and it's a long shot, seven people. And we managed to get on a standby flight with the last flight leaving the country. And the wheels of the airplane left the runway at 11.59 p.m. And then the border closed at midnight. So we got out right under the wire. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And so we got here. We had to do, you know, 14 days of quarantine and all that. Then had our first doctor's appointment one week before the delivery date. <laughs> so oh, it was crazy there. We got back and we actually found my, had the baby. And then we found our two-year-old had this lump in her neck. And so we got that checked out. And the pediatric surgeon was like, well, it's just a standard congenial defect and we'll just cut it out. So he cuts it out and sends it to the lab and they get it back to him and say, no, it's not what you think it was. It is a worm. And <laughs> she had Ooh. a tapeworm, <laughs> her two-year-old uh -huh. daughter, had this big tapeworm in her neck. And the doctor had never seen anything like this. This is America, you know? Of and course. So, so he sends it to the CDC and the CDC is like, they diagnose it and say, this worm has, there's only 100 recorded cases in history of this worm in a human being worldwide. And so they were like, so intrigued, you know, by this crazy African wow. worm, they wrote a medical Bad. articles on it and all this stuff. And we needed to get back when we did to get all that stuff taken care of before we hit the road. So God has his way of getting you where you need to be, you know, even though in the moment it was a little bit confusing and like, why is this happening? And this is so crazy, you know, but in retrospect, you see God's hand in it all and he's so good. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that sounds so kind of, I don't know, foreign's uh, certainly a <laughs> gimme word on that, but yeah. uh, I don't know that we have a sense of how isolated a lot of folks from the states and let's just go ahead and say the states and canada uh, or you I'm know north america yeah yeah and texas of course <laughs> we don't know how isolated we are you know you've been lived abroad now when did you guys get to uganda 
Uh, we got there in 2008 for the first time. Okay. Came back for about a year of training and then went back full-time 2010. So we've been there 2010, 10 years. Wow. When did it break in on you? And I'm assuming that I'm seeing this as it is. You could line me up. But when did it break in on you that you had, you know, you weren't really like maybe totally prepared for what you found from that kind of standpoint? Oh, yeah. That didn't take long. <laughs> well, does a story does a story come to mind? So we got there in 2008. It's me and my wife and our 10-month-old baby. So we move in this apartment that has no power and no gas. And they keep telling us, hey, we're going to connect power on Tuesday. And they tell us next Tuesday for about, you know, four months goes by of next Tuesday, next Tuesday, and no power ever gets connected. And so we have this gas oven and the people hosting us say, oh, sorry, there's no gas. And we're like, what do you mean there's no gas? Like, can we go get some? And they're like, no, there's no gas in Uganda. <laughs> the whole country of Uganda had no propane gas cylinders <laughs> to run ovens off of. So we don't have no power, no gas. My wife's pregnant. I don't know how to feed her. She actually ends up losing weight, you know, in that first. And so we, I'm doing teaching ministry in the house of prayer there in Gulu, Uganda. It's straight out of a war. You know, they've been in war for 20 years. They just had peace. Everything's undeveloped. Everything's backwards. And so I'm trying to teach these people how to seek the Lord, you know, and how to really go for God. And of course, they have a very different culture than the culture I was coming from. And so there was such a lackadaisical approach to time management, for example. And everybody was always late, you know, so I couldn't start my teaching on time. So I couldn't get through all the notes I wanted to get through. And it really frustrated me. So then I started hammering them with <laughs> this teaching from Mike Bickle called The Power of the Focus Life, where it's about lay out your goals and set out your your schedule and schedule your day and you know 15 minute increments to make sure you get in all the stuff you want and i start hammering them with all this stuff out of a spirit of frustration <laughs> and i'm like mm. you guys need to learn how to schedule your time what's wrong with you guys i thought you're serious you know and well i had no idea about culture and about flexible time in an agrarian society and all these cultural dynamics, I had no clue. I just thought people were being lazy, you know? And, and so, um, so I really hammered them hard just to figure out later, hey, they're not in my country. I'm in their country. I'm the one who's going to have to learn how to make some adjustments. You know, they're not supposed to adjust to my way. I'm supposed to adjust to their way, you know, as much as I can. And, any way that's not sinful, you know, and usher them mm -hmm. into the kingdom culture. And so uh, it was a rude awakening. And so we were there five months. And in that five month period of time, I learned everything that I didn't know and everything I needed to learn. And then came back to America and joined a mission school for one year. Then that's when I learned about culture. And that's when I learned about culture shock and anthropology and all that stuff. And I came with a lot of questions and I found a lot of answers. And so that was what I needed to get me really ready. So it was really more part of my training than anything else. 
So when I went back full-time in 2010, I was ready to face the culture issue. I think you had some great advantage given to you in that situation because you were able to confront the culture and have some takeaways uh, or let the culture confront you mm-hmm. and kind of be already kind of working through that. And then you come back and get some education. So many have it the other way, right? Yeah. That, I mean, we're trying to teach you things you don't realize you're going to need to know. And right now you don't really have a place to put these things. Yeah. The value of that education was must have been much more accessible. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way. None of my classmates realized how important this stuff was that they're teaching us, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I'm like, I'm like taking notes and praying through it and talking to my wife about it. And we're like, oh, that's why they did things that way. Now I get it, you know? And light bulbs mm-hmm. were going off and I was connecting the theoretical abstract teaching, you know, with concrete experiences. And it yeah. was locking in for me in a way that it, it couldn't do with the other students who had never lived cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it's kind of like yeah. in the business world, they say it's better before you go to business school to get some business experience, you know, that mm-hmm. way you get more out of the training. Yeah. Sounds like you, you were primed and ready, ready for training. That is, I, that's, that's, uh, that, that's powerful, man. And I thank God for the way he did that in yep. your life and situation. That's uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. There, there's a ton of stuff we could unpack here. And I, I'm at this point, super sure we're going to have to get a second and third installment, probably a third installment, maybe four installments. <laughs> but uh, there, I mean, we're just basically beginning to get into your story. And there's some huge elements that I want to cover, though we're going to run out of time on this particular uh, episode. We're going to need to get back to those. We've got about five more minutes, maybe four, to kind of look forward in terms of your story. As we're kind of wrapping up this episode, and I'll get back with you to reschedule another session, I would love, is it Etta? Yeah, Etta. Yep. How do you say your Etta? Etta. In yeah. Texas, we say Etta. Duh. We, it's a T, we know, but it's a D. Etta. Exactly. Kind of like little. You don't say little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, little. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I would love to get Etta, Etta on the podcast with us in the in the next go round or two if she can. If we get because her, on I know you don't want to talk to me anymore. I'll tell you that right now. Well, we bet we better give you first dibs. We'll get you to talk first, and then we'll have her join, and she'll exactly. she'll bring all the drama and personality that is Etta. <laughs> but I know there are some big things that happen. Uh, and I'm putting it very mildly. I know yeah. about yeah. this. I don't know it, but mm-hmm. I know a little bit about it. Some big stuff happened in your family while you were uh, fairly early on in your mission there. Yeah. And that had the capacity, I think, to drive you guys from the field, potentially. Uh, we haven't talked about this, and I don't want to talk about it before we talk about it, because I want to hear it from you and not bring my misconceptions to the conversation. But I think that might be good to have her in on that conversation and then get her point of view as well in general about what you've seen over 10 years, you know, the struggles and and the victories as well. And, you know, what's the next horizon look like? If we can do that over the next two or three episodes, I think we would be doing some good. Awesome. Absolutely. 
Could we could we arrange that? Or do we need to give her like certain time allotments? <laughs> <laughs> Something makes me think her personality is gonna it's gonna be like when Robin Williams was on the Tonight Show. <laughs> it was Robin's show. <laughs> that's funny. And he he gave it back to him. Then he took it back and to get that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be her show. Yeah. No, we're pretty good at tag team. <laughs> we're, we're pretty good. We've we've okay. <laughs> She has a look she gives me when it's her turn, and I have a look I give her when I want to keep talking. And hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't hey, together. there's nothing like international missions to get you into the depths of your relationships. I feel confident yes. about that. Yeah. Man, well, I, I really appreciate it, uh, Will. Thank you very much for being on. Really appreciate you being here. And if someone wanted to reach out and find out more about your mission before or in in anticipation of our future episode or two coming, yeah. where could they find out about your uh, what you guys are doing, Will? We've got a website. It's send, S-E-N-D, send56.org. So that's the okay. name of the ministry, send56. Send56.org. And we'll backlink that in the podcast so that the folks who are driving can get to it later and, and, and click through. Yeah. Send56.org. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. And Will and Etta Sheehy is, uh, are, are, it's you and your wife. Mm-hmm. What else, yeah. what else do you want to mention as we're wrapping up here, Will? Let me just mention that just to give people a little bit of a scope who might be visiting the website or might want to hear more about the mission side of it. We're really working to serve the Church of Africa to equip and send out their own missionaries. Our goal is indigenous African missionaries. So we, we train, we equip, we send, and we help place them with unreached people groups, unreached tribes of Africa. So we send Africans to reach Africans. What we're really going for is the role of serving the Church of Africa. So that gives a little bit of a context for those who want to dig in a little deeper and and see our approach to missions. And just really believe that the role of the Western missionary is changing in the 21st century. Western missionaries are now a minority. We're actually a minority of the mission force of the earth. Most of the missionaries these days are not white guys like me. <laughs> We're... Mm-hmm. We're actually a minority, praise God. 21st century has changed that. Places that used to be the mission field are now have strong indigenous churches that are ready to send out their own missionaries. And they're sending missionaries to people who are closely related, missionaries related to the target people group. The more closely related they are, the more effective they'll be. And so Mm. uh, I believe the, the role of the Western missionary is changing more and more to be more of a role of serving the indigenous churches to send out their own missionaries than it used to be in the 20th century of the Western missionaries actually going to the frontline locations. Yeah. So we're trying to really get on board with that. And, and, and I believe that's the move of God that he's ushering us into as a ministry, but also more generally the church in the West is starting to embrace this role of saying, we're going to serve and equip the indigenous church finish the Great Commission and do the work of missions and go to the places where we can't go. As a white guy, there's a lot of places in Africa I couldn't go, but a black African missionary can go there 
you know, just because of their ethnicity and their their language abilities and their cultural understanding, they can fly under the radar. Right. Surely can. Man, let's make sure. And also we'll break that down too in a future episode. Uh, really appreciate you being here. As I mentioned, thank the Lord for your for your life, for your service, for your family, and uh, blessings on you guys. I am Scott McClellan for your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Check out all of our episodes at fromtheforefront.com. Until next time, I am Scott McClellan. Have a good one. You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.